0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG 13. Basketball season won't be around forever. So get in on all of the action now with DraftKings. The leader in one-day fantasy sports, DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Here's how it works. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple, just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel that sweat like never before, every dunk, steal, assist means so much more with a DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. Yeah, you'll probably be tweeting at the writers trying to figure out who's going to play and how many minutes and all that fun stuff. <laughs> Baseball fans, you may have missed out on season-long fa- fantasy. So now is the time to get on all of the daily fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download... The DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN and get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Day to everyone. Uh, Not for me. My Dodgers lost three or four to the Padres, but I'll live. You know, the Dodgers, I believe, still have the best record of baseball. Nevertheless, (laughs) what's going on, everybody? This is Jason Jones of The Athletic, of a bunch of other stuff I'm trying to get myself involved with work wise, but The Athletic signs the checks. uh, Bringing you the latest edition of the Ruler of the Court podcast. Uh, where we talk Sacramento Kings basketball, the good, the bad, the sad, the ugly, the positive, the negative, whatever you want to throw in there. And we also talk about uh, that good hip-hop conversation. And again, like I said, it's weird how, maybe I'm just showing my age, but it seems like all my hip-hop talk always ends up taking us back to the 90s. Which was still the best period, for, in my opinion, for hip-hop top to bottom in terms of depth of talent, quality of music, so on and so forth. But... It's hip. It's all inclusive hip hop, but I tend to hang in that that '90s block, the '90 block, you know, a little more than other spots. So, that being said, time to talk some kings. Obviously, big news uh, going into last weekend. No, uh, De'Aaron Fox is in health and safety protocols. Uh, expected to be out 10 to 14 days. Yeah, uh, if you read that report on the Athletic. Where We uh, broke that story and, and gave you some analysis on what that means for the Kings, what it means for the play-in game opportunities, all of the other things. I think we all know the play-in was probably a long shot anyway, but can't imagine that things got any better with this news. So again, no De'Aaron Fox. Uh, I, think I, I think The way I looked at it, maybe up to about eight games or so, and Really, not an easy game in that stretch. That started with Sunday's a loss at Golden State, one seventeen, one thirteen. Uh got to talk a lot about more Tyrese Halliburton had a good game, well, finished had a good finish. He, he didn't like how he played most of the game. Uh, the Kings, the Kings, you no know, played as well as you might be able to expect against a team like Golden State, which has a superstar in Steph Curry, and is also you know fighting for playing position at this point they're uh 10th in the west kings are now six and a half behind the warriors but there there of course it wouldn't be a king's loss without at least one king's moment or king's moment and i felt i felt bad for buddy hill late in the game because it was a game where clearly you know it felt like steph was doing all he could to help the kings turnovers missing free throws just very unstuff, unstuff-like plays, and poor Buddy had a chance to give the Kings a a 115, well, well, you know, a 115-114 lead late in that game, and uh, Kings trap Steph after a make. Buddy makes a good, you know, play on the pass. Uh, Steph is trying to pass out, and Buddy intercepts the pass and then Buddy tries to dribble to the ramp for a layup and Buddy just loses control of the ball out of bounds and of course you, you know social media being what it is and you know while you're I'm working on Twitter and everyone's killing Buddy about his you know because we all know you know the thing about Buddy great shooter uh not so great ball handler and that play right there just kind of summed it up. And Buddy had a great shooting game, but finished with 25 points. But yeah, that that last sequence for Buddy, that's in that juncture of the game, killer for the Kings. But enough about that. Wanted to uh, touch, talk a little bit about Tyrese Halliburton, because without De'Aaron, this is going to be an important stretch, you know, next couple of weeks for Tyrese just to see. How he can embrace the role of being the leader, you know, how the plays he's going to make without De'Aaron, all that stuff, you know, You can't just look at De'Aaron to you know save him late. De- you know, Tyrese has got to be that guy, you know, running the ship. And against the Warriors on Sunday, it was only the second time that Tyrese has played this season without De'Aaron, and finished with 24 points, eight assists, 10 of 20 shooting. But, you know, he made, uh, he was great in the fourth quarter, but first half he shot two and nine, was shooting four, 13 through three quarters, but he made six or seven shots in the fourth, which was great for him. Problem for the Kings was those six field goals were the only ones that were made <laughs> in the, in the fourth for the Kings, which is used to having their point guard, you know, save them, which is normally, no, you know, De'Aaron's role, but yeah, so the uh, overall stat line was good. You know, I you know I thought Tyrese handled himself well, but you know comes in a loss, which was the main thing Tyrese was concerned about. Was he's tired of losing? He doesn't like losing, and he's all for you know his development getting better and all those good things. But he also wants to win games, and that's what the Kings haven't done a lot of. So. For me, I think there's a few things Tyrese can take from this stretch without De'Aaron. And it's it's not it's not a good thing. Let me make sure I phrase this right. If there's a positive that can be taken from De'Aaron not being at the games, it's that Tyrese has to... He can't look to De'Aaron even when he's not in the game to give him help and point him. He's got to figure this out on his own. And... One thing that he talked about after the game, what I thought was interesting was that he said, <coughs> excuse me, in huddles and timeouts, You know, Harrison Barnes telling him he needs to be a lot, you know the voice in there, he needs to be breaking the huddle, doing all those things that I'm pretty sure that are normally cast for De'Aaron. And this is a big, I think I said a necessary part of the growth that Tyrese has to go through because in order for the kings if they're going to use, you know, keep this group together, this core group together for them to eventually become first off a team that can win consistently and on to becoming a playoff team, you need you can't just rely on De'Aaron to be the one leader in the locker room. You know, De'Aaron's kind of a quiet guy, laid back guy. So you need somebody in there to go with him to be more vocal, and I think that's probably gonna to have to be Tyrese. You know, I think as a rookie, it's hard to come in there and try to take over the locker room, you know, dictate things, tell guys who have been doing this way longer than you what they need to do with what they you know, but I remember De'Aaron talking, about he struggled with it as well. But I think now without De'Aaron out there. Tyrese has to be that guy, and that's good. I think that's going to be a good thing for him going into next season because he has to be that guy now going against teams like Dallas, like San Antonio, like Indiana. You know, going against teams that are fighting for the playoffs, so he's going to get everyone's best you know, best shot every night. And I think that's going to be a good learning tool for him to uh, understand the level of intensity that it takes to compete this time of year and why you got to come into the season playing at a certain level of intensity you know not that Tyrese didn't take the season seriously it's just you know he's a rookie so he's going through all these experiences the first time so i think uh I think stats aside Tyrese is going to benefit the most from having to be the leader having to run this team having to be that main voice in the locker room so I'm curious and interested to see just how Tyrese handles that. I know if you've heard his story back when he was at Iowa State, how his first year he wasn't man, <laughs> and that came into that second year where he t- that his you know his role really continued to blossom and grow. We're not quite excuse me, we're not quite into uh, Tyrese's <laughs> the second season yet, but I think this is going to be a time where we see him blossom. Or have an opportunity to blossom in, you know, in terms of his leadership. And on top of that, also just his uh, how to be more aggressive on offense. I think if anything, if you're going to have a knock on Tyrese at times on offense, maybe he's not aggressive enough trying to get his shot. In this role, he has to be aggressive and, and initiate the offense, get into the paint, do all the things that are asked of De'Aaron on a regular basis. <coughs> excuse me, I was, took a sip of uh, my tea here, and as they say, you know, um, it goes down the wrong pipe when you you uh, swallow the drink. That just, <coughs> oh, that happened to me. <coughs> but I'm still around, so, enough, uh, moving on from Tyrese, I wanted to, uh... <coughs> mm, excuse me. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on the um the fact that Sunday's game was the 36th loss of the season. That's only significant in the, that it guarantees the Kings cannot finish above five hundred. And I just want you to think about this. Sacramento has been in No, the NBA has been been in Sacramento thirty six seasons. The Kings have eight seasons above five hundred. And all you Kings fans Historians know when that is That is when <laughs> Rick Adelman was coached Outside of that season The Kings have never been above a team above 500 And it won't happen again this season I'll just bring it up That's pretty damn amazing Think about that The And now you get a much better idea Of why that 39 win season Is treated like Ah, My time being on the beat. That 39th win season is treated by some fans like it was, you know, the next greatest thing to the 2002 Western Conference Finals. Just because it's just, whew. You know, they've just been so bad so many years. It's like, hey, we were almost a decent team. Sad but true for the Kings and... Now, you take that into account, that's just one poor milestone <laughs> they're headed to. Uh, on, you know, next loss will guarantee 15 straight losing seasons. We're getting closer and closer to officially being, you know, eliminated from the playoffs, which will, which will tie the uh, record for the longest streak missing the postseason at 15 straight years. And here's what makes that sad for the Kings, <clears throat> and especially recently. In normal situations in the last two seasons, the Kings would not have gotten an extra chance at making the playoffs, but they did. Go back to last season, pandemic hits you know, a, over a year ago. Season ends before the Kings have a chance to make the you know See could they make a push to get into the playoffs. What happens? NBA bubble. What does that mean? That means the Kings and some other teams would then be granted a, I don't know if you would call it, a lifeline, but a chance to make the playoff they normally wouldn't have had in a, in a normal season. So, of course, last season was not normal at the end, but the fact is the Kings still had a chance to make the playoffs And go out to the bubble in Orlando, fall flat on their faces, miss the playoffs. And then you get to this season. Normal season, top eight are in. The ninth team, tenth team, whatever, no one cares. Remember the Kings were ninth in 2018-19 and that's that 39 season that some people seem to treat like the Kings won 59 games. Ah, uh, excuse me. I just got the whole little, you know, tickling of the throat thing. But again, you know, like I it. 15 straight years losing seasons, and oh, and then like I said, these last two years, special opportunities. You know, <clears throat> you know, this season you got the play-in tournament. That means you've got. Two extra spots, <laughs> you know, to get in. To, they will get a chance at the playoffs. So for the Kings to have a chance to make the playoffs, they're to get in the top 10. You know, of course, this, this comes in a couple of years too late, I guess, after that 2018-19 season. But, you know, just get to the top 10 to have a chance to get in. And, of course, in a season where it's expanded to 10, the Kings will probably finish 12th in the West. Yeah, still not good enough. Still very disappointing, I'm sure, for Kings fans. And just like wow, 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 it's pretty amazing. Yo, yeah. a lot happens in 15 years, like you know, music fads completely change. No, you know, uh, I just it's it's just mind boggling. We're looking at 15 straight years of missing the playoffs. 15 straight years, and. Like I said, expanded playoffs. Kings still can't get out of their own way. So you know what though? I'm kind of uh kinged out again. I know I said that before, but yeah. It's uh it's gonna be an interesting next few games. Uh beginning Monday. Monday night with the uh, Kings hosting the Dallas Mavericks in the second half of a back to back. Some things to watch in that. it's how does Luke Walton use his centers? Oh, yeah, Rashawn Holmes is back. He was on a minute restriction against the Warriors. He did say he will play against the Mavs. So, Luke Walton's to juggle the center minutes, which might mean Shemezi Metz who plays some power forward. Marvin Bagley, though he's been cleared to, you know, begin basketball activity, he's really not doing much in terms of he's not in uh, contact He's not playing 5-on-5, five five, but he's still targeting this week, I'm told, uh, for his return. So that's it. end for your King's Talk. I uh, want to switch over to the uh, hip-hop portion of the show. And April was just not a kind month to hip-hop in terms of some of the uh, big names. We uh, lost uh, DMX, Black Rob, and then... Last week, word broke that a uh, Shock G, one of the founders of Digital Underground, passed away in a hotel, in his hotel in Tampa. And who that was a, uh, you no know, even though he's not from the Bay Area, you know, Digital Underground came came of you know, came up in around Oakland, and he's you know, in a lot of was considered a Bay Area rap legend, and the stuff that Digital Underground was doing. Late 80s, early 90s was truly ahead of its time in terms of, you know, they were sampling everything musically. And Shock G, I don't want to call it a scam, but you know, he pulled off one of the greatest alter ego moves in history because I know I was not the only person, and I was a kid when this happened, but there were adults I know who did not realize Shock G and Humpty Hump were the same person. I didn't know it, <laughs> you know. And then you see people see people who were older than me posting how they thought they were the same person. and this is what that that was for uh, for that song dropped back in 90, you know nineteen ninety. Jeez, I had no business knowing half of their songs, but I did. But just you know, all the tributes to Shock G, the athletic, you know, Marcus Thompson wrote a great piece on shock g and what he meant so i kind of wanted to just hit on instead you know in kind of in honor of digital underground which casey forgot also gave us tupac you know so you think no the underground for that but want to look at some of my favorite shock g digital underground moments music talk about them why before we get out of here uh, of course, we got to start with the song that most of you know, we all know Digital Underground 4, you know, the Humpty Dance. Great moment in music because he even said it could look like a fitter or a convulsion. You know, it was great for people like me who can't dance because you could do that. You could do the Humpty Dance and no two people would do it the same. You got it down when you appear to be in pain. You know, that's, you know... I can do that with my non-dancing self. So, you know that song was just, to this day, that song gets a party going, and it also gave us uh, the great line, "I once got busy in a Burger King bathroom," leading some people to actually make make it a goal of theirs in life to get busy at a Burger King bathroom. I have been I have been shocked at the amount of people who have confessed in the last week that shock g is why they you know sought out or actually went through with getting busy in a burger king bathroom of course no you know during the pandemic and all the you no know, cleaning restrictions it sounds it's, it sounds absolutely disgusting you would do anything in a burger king or anybody's fast food joint bathroom but <laughs> that's still got to be you know one of the greatest lines in hip hop you know, history, one of the greatest punchlines. That whole song is filled with them, yo. They say I'm ugly, but they just don't, you know, they just don't phase me. I'm still getting in the girls' pants, and I even got my own dance. It's like, I'm ugly, but look at me. The women love me, and I got my own damn dance. So before Biggie, you know, was, you no, know, you no, know, black and ugly, is that, no, no, heartthrob, never. Black and Ugly as ever. Before Biggie even went there, Humpty was already bragging about being ugly and still getting women. So, that is just, like I said, to me, one of the great party records of all time. And I'm probably going to play that. I've been playing that song a lot lately. It sent me down a whole rabbit hole musically from uh, Digital Underground to some Tupac. But I'm sorry, can we get back on course here? Uh, My second... I don't say a favorite of all time. it's my second song that when I think of Digital Underground and Shock G, I think of Do What You Like, mainly because the video was just like an awesome video, a pool party with a bunch of rappers at it. Of course, now that sounds like the norm, but you know, at this stage, this time in hip-hop, this is when everybody's being hard. You know, this is an NWA, and funny is, Eazy-E is actually in the Do What You Like video. But At that point, you had, you know, rap still had its fun place. You know, you you know, it wasn't like that everybody was hard, but you could see that, you know, I won't say shift, but you could see, (coughs) you know, there was going to be more of the hard stuff coming. And now you've got, you know, do what you like. And then it's it's a pool party and the line from there, you know. With the the line the line the line from that song that you say man why why it sticks out and when he says I'm the one who said to just grab him the biscuits of course now in this <laughs> you know in 2021 we just don't you know there's a thing called consent we just don't grab him the biscuits but in 1990 91 that was hilarious to a young me and there was one of the, another one of those great fun just party records so I think you know, you, you put that with Humpty Dance, you can always play those at a party, get the party going. Next up, same song. You know, that has that, you know, all around the world, same song. You know, they sampled that George Clinton, uh, who was also one of the guys they sampled a lot from, George Clinton, but, and the reason why that Digital Underground song just you know, will always stand out to me because, that's the first time we're introduced to some guy named Tupac, you know, and it's, you know, they got the whole, they got the African garb on, you know, and the, you know, Pac's line, you know, <laughs> you know, it was just one of those things where that line, that whole, his verses jumped out on that song, which was a big deal because Shot G had such a great stage presence and he always made you feel his presence when he performed as well. So, you know, Pac, that was the uh, my our Pac introduction. Uh, my next one, you know, another obvious, you know, big one. Kiss Me and I'll Kiss You Back. Another, fu- no, just fun record. And, just, you know, just kind of just what the uh, Digital Underground was known for. Just fun and it's hard to play digital underground and not be smiling. Uh, next one I want to hit on, Freaks of the Industry. Obviously, why? Because it's the Freaks of the Industry song. It's one of the uh, <laughs> songs that was like, whatever reason, that song was real popular and, and I was in college in the mid-90s. And it was just, the song had been out, but that's that song, I don't... Uh, If anyone wants to hit me up on social and explain to me why in 96, 97, that song was hitting so much, please do. But love that song. And my last, my very last, Shot G, and this might really be my favorite one, uh, his verse from We're All in the Same Game." just because I was a kid growing up in Southern California at that time. You know, you see the violence all the time, and his, you know... Just his, uh, <laughs> his back and forth, you know, Shock G and Humpty Hump. You know, it's the same person, obviously, but you know, the way you know, the way they uh, went back and forth, kind of uh, playing out the, uh, the, you know, two people discussing the violence, and then that last line. Let's see how many brothers leave us hanging, you know, and this the whole, the imagery in the video where he does like I keep being lynched, you know, that was a. Uh, well, cause I love, I love that song. I said I remember growing up in that time and gang violence being so crazy. And I just still, you know, just the way he, I don't know. It's hard to I'm trying not to get all emotional talking about it, but cause you, it's just. But it's uh it was a very key song at a key time, and I'll always remember and enjoy uh, Shock G's verse on that song that had a all-star cast of West Coast rappers and to wrap up the uh, Shock G portion I'm just gonna for your homework if you haven't done it in the last week or weren't inspired to go listen to Sex Packets you play it through a couple of times three four five times you can see just how groundbreaking Shock G was as an artist you know production-wise just how groundbreaking he was and that album is a clinic in sampling all types of music all genres and just having fun with the music so that's your homework if you haven't done it already go listen to that go go play it a few times and also if you're a uh subscriber to title um check the, they have a good uh shock g playlist that includes Digital Underground songs, songs he produced. In case you didn't know, you know he even has a, he, he has a song he produced for Prince. You know he's got a lot of you know Bayer you know, rap music in there. Got some song, you know, got some of his production for Tupac. You know Rebel of the Underground. And then I was like, I was surprised that uh, well, maybe because I haven't looked at it in a while, the the amount of stuff that you know Shaggy uh, produced for Me Against the World. So, again, rest in peace to Shock G. Um, like I said, it's been a rough April for hip-hop. Uh, let's just hope we can get some more uh, positive than negative news going into May. And that about does it for me this week. Again... The Kings uh, going on without De'Aaron Fox. Tyrese is the captain of this ship now. No, give just want to see just how Tyrese handles all this. No, the next loss will be that uh, all important. I shouldn't call it the important, but we'll we'll clinch another losing season in Sacramento, where which is that's the norm unless Rick Adelman is your coach. So you know where to find me on social media. Uh, you can find me at Twitter, Mr. Underscore Jason Jones. Find me on Instagram at Mr. Jones LBC. And actually, you can also find me talking wrestling on the Yes, I'm Watching Wrestling uh, podcast. You can find me on TheAthletic.com. And of course, here on the Ruler of the Court podcast brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network. Again, I am Jason Jones of the Athletic. You know, catch me on social, catch me on the uh, And and always feel free to holler at me, in, you know, on in the comments. Let's have some fun dialogue as this king season winds down and we get ready for what's going to be what's the cliché? Another important off season. I'm still waiting for the non-important off season I've never seen, but hey, Y'all be good out there. Y'all take care. I'm out of here. Peace.